Welcome back, listeners, to RPG Crossing Radio. I'm your host, David Robison, or Roby, on the majority of the internet and the website. Uh, joining me once again is Embrodak. Hey, everybody. And Hugga. Howdy. <laughs> we have a great show for you today. We have uh, a good discussion about acclimating new players to RPG Gaming Plan. Uh, we also have great news to share. The most important being that RPG Crossing has moved to its new home, which is totally awesome news. Well, would you guys agree? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I'm the... enjoying ahead, enjoying Hugger. the new speeds, enjoying the new um, stability. It's all very exciting. Excellent, excellent. So uh, I think we're going to do something special this episode. Um, we're going to treat this kind of like an open housewarming party. We're going to fire up some music get comfortable and at the bottom of the show we'll go ahead and uh, announce the address where you can send all the uh, toasters and useless household crap that people get at housewarming parties too <laughs> oh. <laughs> but we'll go ahead and get started with the main meat of the show um, since Thursday was Valentine's Day I thought it would be interesting to uh, propose a question to the hosts about how they go about uh, handling romantic relationships between players and their games. You're a uh, very busy DM on site, so why don't you go ahead and uh, field this one, Hugga, uh, first. How do you handle relationships? It's, it's an interesting question. Um, it hasn't really happened that much. Uh, I think one time in my real-life game I've had a player hook up with a um, NPC, and that was all pretty much done outside of a session. Um, they ended up getting married and having some kids. <laughs> uh, but it, it's um, PH, uh, playing by post, it's much easier. Uh, you don't have the same time constraints as you would in, the, in, a, in a real life game. You don't have the sort of awkwardness that might be in the air if not both of them are prepared. Um, you can <laughs> chat with them quite happily outside of it. Uh, but it still hasn't happened really in, in most of my games. Uh, there's been a few crush-like situations, but nothing really developing. Um, but yeah, if, if both parties are comfortable with it, then I'm happy to go ahead. Um, Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> so, so yeah, I can't, can't really offer that much more. Ah, well, how about you, Embrodak? You, you had any experience with this particular topic? No, I haven't, but uh, now that you bring it up, uh, and Hugga DMs me in a couple games, I think I'll bring it up with him. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, I, do, I, I do have a uh, a game that Hug and I just we just started playing, and uh, my guy has a crush on his mother. So, good <laughs> <laughs> enough. I, I wrote that my my guy in that game has a crush on another one of the characters as well. So, it'll be interesting yeah. to see how that works. But, nurse, well, you'll have to uh, give us a status update on that. Uh, <laughs> yep. In later episodes, see how that works out. Um, I'm with you, uh, Hug. I think it's a lot easier to to manage those types of relationships in a play by post game. Because uh, you don't, you're not sitting across from the person. It's more like telling yeah. a story instead of interacting with an individual, yeah. which kind of cuts the awkwardness down a lot. I think one of the, the big problems in a in a real life game is that if two characters are developing this romantic relationship, everyone else at the table is sort of having to sit down and, and just sort of wait for things to happen and mm. largely not point. be involved. Yeah. Where, whereas play by post. Everyone can do stuff at the same time, and it doesn't really just detract from anyone else. It's an excellent point. I didn't think of it like that. Um, yeah, so um, I've flirted with this. I had, like, oh, if you remember the last last episode. <laughs> I love your puns. Yes, yes. That was quite unintentional, actually. Um, <laughs> remember the last episode I had the character that was eaten by the Leviathan? She yep. was kind of working on a, 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 uh, a relationship with one of the characters in her group and then she got killed so <laughs> it didn't quite work out but i think it's an interesting concept because uh um, romantic relationships is something that that everybody can pull from and it's something that everybody's familiar with so it's it's an interesting story to tell so maybe we'll see more of this in the future i i don't know moving on to uh psych news unless you have any any more stuff to add to this conversation guys any final thoughts no. Great. Well, psych news. <laughs> <laughs> Guys are such downers. You got to give love a chance. Psych news. As we mentioned 
at the top of the episode, uh, dndonlinegames.com moved to its new home, rpgcrossing.com. Now, I know this isn't the case, but when when somebody says we're we're we're, we're moving servers, we're gonna we're gonna move, and this is gonna change. I I envision in my mind somebody physically picking up a server and moving it. <laughs> <laughs> that, that has happened. I, I've. Uh... I work in IT, and I actually, when we moved servers, we moved it from uh, cross-state eight hours. Uh, so, yes, and it, it does happen. But uh, in this case, I believe it was all uh, virtual. So, Excellent, excellent. Um, so, and any travel to those servers would be way too far for me to go. Yeah. <laughs> True. That's quite the, quite the commute. Um, so um, you guys are both staffers. What kind of involvement did you have in the actual switch um, were you guys involved, um, or was it largely a uh, one Birched show? Um, I believe uh, Birch TH and uh, it's Ad Ad said uh, Birch did most of the stuff, and I know said and uh, TH did a lot of the testing. Uh, yeah. I volunteered, but I, until the site came up, there was nothing much for me to do. I mean, he did it in a day and a half, two days. So I did a good job. Yeah, the down the downtime was a lot. Was uh, right on schedule. I was surprised. Um, a, a lot of the times when you're dealing with things of this nature, it goes longer than expected. Even some of the the some companies that make their living on the internet are like renowned for how they do business business on the internet. Run into situations like that, so I was uh, very pleased that they didn't have those kind of problems. Yeah, the site's running much better. Uh, I noticed that when I first logged on. One of the tools I do, I, I moderate and create all the new threads for, for new games. And before, you, you, you basically just, yep, validate that one, validate that one, validate that one, and ignore that one, delete this one. And when you, you know, at the end, you push process. Before, it would take a minute, minute and a half. I, I processed about 10 games. It took about 10 seconds, not even. Wow. So it's, it's uh, just in that feature alone, uh, it, it's significantly uh, streamlined and faster. Yes, I've noticed that it's a lot easier to uh, browse the site from my phone through a, a uh, cellular yeah. internet connection. Um, it was really, really bad prior to the move. So it, it has sped up a lot. So I think we're all happy. I'm happy with it. I haven't really heard any complaints other than things not working just right, but just little little bugs, I think. Yeah. Yeah. We're working that, through those. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing that's not being worked out. I mean, they're just simple little things. But overall, yeah, yeah. I mean, everything's running much better. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. I don't know. Yeah, we're going, if, oh, we're go going through and re redirecting the links, and a lot of them were already caught um, with the changeover anyway. And, and links to DND Online Games has changed already. But yeah, we're we're still just trying to work out the last few of them and fix them all up. So. Excellent. Excellent. Updated my signature, by the way, Haga. Now everything oh. reads, reads properly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure if this was related to the to the move or the site changes, but this was announced around the same time. But uh, we've added uh, social networking contact information uh, options to your pro to, to profiles. Um, mm. The new options include GTalk, Jabber, Facebook, and Twitter. Um, do you guys do the uh, social networking thing? Well, I do, and here's the problem. I mean, I, I you, you, David, Robbie, Roby, you, you have both your names out there. I like keeping, and the hug is even worse than I am. I like keeping <laughs> my real name versus my, you know, D and D or RPG Crossing name different. Um, primarily, if you were to go look at my post, you'll see posts starting at, you know, seven o'clock in the morning till ten o'clock at night, and you'll and, and, and any employer would wonder why the hell is, uh, you know, Mister Umbrodak <laughs> making all those posts. But I, I I just like to keep some of the things private, and so I I won't use those features. There's other people that maybe you know, seventeen year olds that don't have the different personas nor care to differentiate between them, may use those and find them useful, but. Uh, I mean, to me, I, I don't really need it. I mean, if one thing I was thinking when I saw the show topic is it'd be a cool feature for. I, I know, uh, you know Google has has the circles, so you can put different circles can only see anything. But maybe to go a step f further, have personas. So yeah, mm -hmm. then I could put the Embrodak persona for Facebook and Twitter, 
uh, and have one account to, to go from. But um, to me, I don't. I'm not going to use the feature. So. Mm-hmm. So apart from Facebook, I have HVG3 AKAK accounts for other things. Right, so you I've have got, multiple uh, accounts. Yeah, yeah. So I've got the Twitter, I've got the, the Google Talk, and things like that. So that's what I've put in there. Yeah, see, I barely have time for, for Facebook in and of itself. I don't have time to manage <laughs> yep, two, yep. two accounts. I only have two personas. Whatever be work-related or personal would be my real life, but everything else would be uh, you know, yep, on Brodak yep. and D&D on, online games. Excellent. Oh, well, I'm like, I have a Facebook, never on it, so it's not in there, but I went ahead and loaded my Twitter into it, which has been in my signature for a while anyways. So <laughs> no, 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 uh, no change there for me, but I think it's interesting to have the options. Yeah, I never got into Twitter. I I, I have an account and I I have feeds, I, uh, some you know actors that I follow, but I don't ever tweet. I don't, nothing important to say. And, and Facebook, I just have it to I, you know post pictures of the kids or grandpa and stuff. So I really don't yep. use them. So. Hmm. Uh, tw- Twitter seems to move along a little bit too quickly for me to make the most use of it. Uh, I, I I like Twitter a lot better than everything else. Uh, the the uh, word limit. Is nice and quick stuff. I don't have really long thoughts apparently, so <laughs> fits well Deep there. Thoughts by David Robinson. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Uh, we've got another piece of news here about the RPG Crossing Book Club. Um, they finished reading the book Ready Player One by Ernest Klein in January. This is kind of a catch-up. We we actually skipped a uh, episode we were supposed to have at the first of the month for this podcast, so kind of cramming a whole month's worth of stuff into one one show but uh the january club they read it and since we're part of a like rpg gaming site we thought it would be amusing to rate the book as if it were a magical weapon so you know like plus five sword of greater whatever so uh what we did was we had everybody vote on a scale of zero to plus five and then and the uh this was a poll and then in the comment, the thread, just uh, pick a, a suffix ability, I'm using air quotations, that, that would describe the book in a certain way. So, and then we averaged the numerical value out and we came up with uh, the rating for Ready Player One is a uh, plus three sci-fi tome of 80s cultural memoranda. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, I thought that was clever, but we'll, we'll see how it goes. I think we're going to put a thread in the list, all yep. the ratings in it eventually. And something I need to work on. I've been real busy recently. Um, did any of you guys read this particular book? I did not. No, no I didn't. Okay, well, there's no use in talking about it then. I thought it was a great book. Um, you, you can tell us about it. Uh, it was cool. It, uh, <laughs> I didn't prepare to tell you guys about it, and I don't want to <laughs> ramble. <laughs> great book it's uh, it's kind of a set in a dystopian future where everybody cares more about the virtual simulation the oasis than the real world and it's the, the world's crumbling apart but nobody cares because they're in this this virtual reality video game type setting and that's mm-hmm. where that's where all the real business happens and that's where and it's uh sounds um, like caprica yeah, a little bit. It's um, the whole book centers around a yeah, Easter egg hunt that the developer of the the simulation put in right before he died. That was kind of his will, last will and testament, mm-hmm. was this uh, contest. Whoever found the Easter egg within the simulation would win the whole of his inheritance, which is a lot of money considering that's the only thing people care about nowadays is the simulation. Yeah. So mm-hmm. this dude was rich. But it was very interesting. I liked the book. Uh, we'll go ahead and, and move on and, and give a, a brief first impression of the uh, February book of the month, uh, The Wielding Word. And I know you guys are reading this. We talked about this on the last podcast. So uh, why don't you guys go ahead and uh, start and bro act with your non-spoilery first impression. Um, well, I've read the first three chapters. Uh, unfortunately, I discovered a new television show on Netflix called Breaking Bad, and I've been watching that nonstop. <laughs> but I only got about four or five episodes left of that, so I will get caught up with reading. Um, I liked it; it was it was good. Uh, it was interesting. I I'll have to see how how it develops. Um, I, I, they did show. I mean, the, the main 
theme is this is you know the, the Rapunzel world and the set fifty years later Rapunzel gets you know the the witch that trapped her gets you know learns from her and I, I'm still trying to figure it out the, the the prologue had had an interesting thing I just it looks interesting I just haven't got a chance to get into it but I blame it on Netflix. Well, Breaking Bad is a really hard TV show not to watch once you get into it. Oh, it's it's fabulous. I I, I would I would spend an hour talking about Walter White and, and Heisenberg. He's <laughs> an interesting and, character to say the least. Yeah, I just finished. Uh, not to derail the concept and go to to, to other media, but uh, I just finished the third season. It was it was fabulous. So. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Hugo? You got any uh, first impressions of this? Yeah, so I, I started reading it last night, and I got through about the first 17 chapters. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm enjoying it. Um, it's small, um, shorter than I would have thought it would be, um, but that's not a bad thing. That's just a different style of writing. I've enjoyed the allusions to the old um, fairy tale, which I cannot... I, I don't really... not really that familiar with the old the Rapunzel story. But I am enjoying it. I've just recently watched the first season of Once Upon a Time. So, um, if you guys have seen that, it's, it's all about yeah. the fairy tales brought into modern life and all that sort of stuff. So, that sort of aspect is quite new and, and um, familiar with me. So, I'm, I'm liking the take on the fairy tale and twisting it around and changing things a little bit. Um, obviously, not bringing it into a modern setting, but that sort of retelling and adding to a fairy tale. It's quite an interesting um, story. <laughs> I feel really sad. I think yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm less further into the book than both of you. Um, <laughs> I've been super busy. But I, I like the concept of uh, uh, of it thus far, and I'm going to, like, hunker down and get this get this taken care of. On to our next little bit of moose now. Um, I'm stoked about this. Um I think you guys would be too, will be too, but uh, our podcast, RPG Crossing Radio, is now on iTunes. Yes, I just uh, subscribed to it. I downloaded it and uploaded it to my iPhone, so I am awesome. all ready awesome. to, to listen to myself ramble on on my commute <laughs> to and from work. Awesome, awesome. I was expecting more of a, yay, sauce, tinker tape hey, parades and stuff. It's- it is an Apple product, so I'm not going to get that far behind. I'm sure I'm sure people out there will enjoy that. Oh, sorry, Yay. we'll get on to the Samsung I, I story. <laughs> oh no, I've, I've already I've already put it on my Samsung. That's all right. Um, <laughs> now I'm still hanging out for the uh, RSS feed. That's how I follow all my podcasts um, and comics and things like that. We have an RSS feed, actually, for the podcast now. Yeah, you have to have one for it to integrate into iTunes. Um, I'll awesome. get a link up. No, I'll post that would be great. Show notes so everybody can just go to the IRS feed, subscribe, subscribe to it if they want. I think the plan is to eventually get on all the other podcast aggregates like Zoom and uh, BlackBerry Podcast Directory. I think there's a couple other ones. There's a BlackBerry podcast. <laughs> I mean, oh, that's say say what you want about uh, uh, iPhone and Samsung. Does anybody still have Blackberries? My Older brother works for a, a company selling plastic, and they make him use a BlackBerry. Uh, we, wow. I, I manage my company's uh, cellular structure, and we transitioned from BlackBerry. It just – they're horrible devices. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> for email, they work great, but, you know, you're paying $40 a month for a smartphone. Uh, you know, it, the Samsungs, the Galaxies, and, the you know, the the iPhone are phenomenal on, on – uh, the data plans, especially, you know, you can go to RPG Crossing and, and surf the internet from that. You can't do it from BlackBerry. Believe me, I tried, so. <laughs> excellent, excellent. So uh, I think we can take away from this that Blackberries aren't great for play-by-post. Nope. <laughs> excellent. We'll go ahead and move on to general RPG gaming news um, in a segment we like to call RPG Pulse. Um, first up on the docket is... Uh, Gygax Magazine, it launched earlier this month, and it looks like it could be a really good uh, one-spot-for-all-RPG-systems-type publication. Um, what do you guys think? Take this one what? first, Doug, or Ambrodak. Um I haven't <laughs> looked that much into it. It's Is it is it really for all RPG things? Is it um, more of an old... It's a, 
TSR sort of feel to it. It's it's got the the the, the old like it's got 1980s the old Dragon magazine. look. Yeah. Look yeah. about it, but they, from what I understand in some videos that I've watched about it, they are um, boasting that they're the kind of magazine for everyone. Well, yeah. One of the articles they had was the cosmology of RPG games, and they showed a, like you would see in, in an old, you know, D&D source book, you know, bunch of different worlds with the different sizes of them, you know, Dun- Dungeons and Dragons was in the middle, you know, the far right was, you know, it was Pathfinder, they had Werewolf, they had, um, you, know, uh, you know, D&D Next, so I think they're trying to be a, a just a generic source of RPGs, and, and um, they had particular articles that were um, just, uh, they, I don't even know what source, they, they sh- I saw a video on it, they showed some of the videos, they have, uh, uh, Order of the Stick is has a has a comic posted in it, just like they used to have in, in Dragon Magazine. So mm-hmm. I was disappointed though. Not that I ever got into. I, I used to get Dragon long ago, and I was sort of disappointed when they when they closed closed down when four four O came out. Um, but then they had Cobalt Quarterly. I'm, I was here, sad to hear that that uh, went away. So yes, it did. Um, one of the contributors to at least the first magazine was uh, Wolfgang Bauer. The uh, the the guy behind Cobalt Press, so they're kind of so. Like, I, is this is now this is this a quarterly quarterly uh, publication? Um, right now I believe it's quarterly. I think they said that if they were able to uh, produce the sales numbers, that they might go more than that. But right now it's quarterly, and uh, a subscription to the magazine, I believe, if I remember correctly, I didn't write it down. Hold on. I've got the website pulled up. $35 for shipping before issues. Four issues. For Correct. Shipping? Yeah, I saw the, the cover price of just one was uh, $9. Yeah. So that's uh, four year. That's with shipping. That's, that seems reasonable. Very reasonable. Um, I'm kind of holding out because they have uh, made the claim that PDFs will be coming and that you can buy a PDF and print copy together did they and say anything if it's being uh, distributed at bookstores or uh, any any local gaming stores or um honestly their website's a little little slim pickings right now and it doesn't really yes. go into how they're they're going to go about it but from what i understand it's just mail okay. order at this moment i'd like to see them uh go into the uh retail brick and mortar type situation that would be Definitely interesting. Um, yeah, it looks good. There's, um, like I said, there's the the Wolfgang Bauer uh, wrote an article in the first one at least, and I think he's going to be a regular contributor. And uh, Luke Gygax, um, Gary Gygax's sons, wrote an article. So yeah, well, it's it's published by the Gygax yeah. uh, family. So I and I was just curious how uh, I saw it said TSR on the bottom uh, of as as the as the you know publisher and it's like did they i thought tsr was was absorbed into wizards of the coast were they able to resurrect the the, the old company name i don't know and i think that i i should have done some research on this because i saw that and i wondered the exact same thing but um maybe they didn't buy the wizards didn't get or didn't purchase the tsr logo and the do, the, do you guys the know what the old tsr stood for Tactical strategic resources, okay, something like so, that. Yeah. Well, you just totally bummed out his whole lead up there, Umbronak. <laughs> no, no, no. I was curious. It, it, well, D and D started. For those who do or do not know, it started as chainmail games. There were just a bunch of yep. gamers playing with miniatures, and then you know Gary uh, and Dave, Dave Ernst. Something yeah, like that. Yeah. They came up with the rule sets, and they started introducing. It was it was more of a of an army type of, of wargaming, and then they started introducing wizards and warriors, and then went from there. So, yeah, yeah. No, I was just wondering. I was just trying to find out anything about it as we as we were talking. Um, yeah. See, when you were you know actually TSR. you know a kid, you know, I was there when TSR formed, watching it for my brother. So I know all those stuff. Yes, I think I knew what it meant at one point from watching a uh, documentary on it on the History Channel. I think it was. Maybe it wasn't the History Channel. I don't know. I digress. Anyways, 
I'm glad you brought that up. I'd always wondered as well um, what it stood for. But I don't know. I think everybody should go ahead and at least check it out. We'll go ahead and provide you a link to the website and one of the videos that we watched going like a flip through of the uh, initial magazine. It's very interesting. Uh, have, you, have either of you looked at the first issue yet? No, I just saw the uh, the, the video that uh, yep. Roby was yeah. alluding yeah, to. Yeah, just the, just the flip through video. I'm yeah. holding out for a PDF and a physical copy because okay. I'm the I'm the type of guy that I go to the the comic book store buy my my Marvel comics because they give you a free digital one when you when you buy the physical copy. Yeah, I think I mentioned that with Piazzo. I, I yeah. like how they sell their books. I got a subscription to that. Yep. Anyways, you peel the code off, you put it on your iPad, and then you you put the other one up on the shelf, and then you don't touch it because you <laughs> never know. So I'm I'm holding out for the for the PDF uh, physical copy combo. I hope it comes out soon because I really would like to get my hands on this magazine. Uh, very very cool. Anyways, guys, go check it out. Um, we have. Lost my notes. <laughs> um, RPG Superstar. Yes, that's where it's at. I've got like four pages of notes. You guys got the the summarized version. <laughs> oh jeez. <laughs> Anyways, RPG Superstar um, is still going on. They're actually up to their third round. Which, when you guys got your notes, they hadn't progressed to that to that point. Um, that was it. That happened just, just yeah. They they recently. closed the last round on uh, the fourth. Yeah, that's, when, that's about when we would have we would have recorded this uh, probably on the second or third. Yes, yes. So. so, anyways, I thought it'd be interesting for us to uh, look over these and maybe pick out an archetype. A because uh, the first round was uh, create a wondrous item. Yes. The second round was create a class archetype. In the third round was create a uh, monster. Now that would be interesting if we looked over these and kind of picked out uh, uh, one of each that we thought was really cool. Uh, or uh, just uh, give a brief mention of it. Mm-hmm. You, you guys do your homework? <laughs> yes, I did. Uh, for, for the first two, I didn't get up to the monsters. Um, I didn't either, actually. I was flipping through this morning going, oh, man, i got to pick a monster because this wasn't when I looked at it. Earlier, I guess I didn't see it, or it wasn't announced at that particular point in time. So, uh, why don't you go ahead and start, Hugga? So, first of all, well done in getting me to actually read Pathfinder stuff. That's um, <laughs> a new thing. <laughs> um, okay, so I, I had two items on my on my list. I, I only looked through the current, uh, I think it's 16 contestants, and yes. just chose items and archetypes from those 16. Yep. Um and one of the things that I did when I was looking through everything was, again, try to translate it into what I would actually play. So what items would work best when brought into 4th edition? Hey, uh, not to interrupt, but I think that's a common thread I see now with so many different gaming systems is just how can you convert it to what you like and just use the yeah. concept as a general you know, starting point. Yeah, that's another reason why I didn't do monsters. I started looking at the monsters and I went... Wow, this is just taking me back to third edition. I'd like to leave them alone. They make you so. shudder a little bit. Ah, oh, a little bit. <laughs> so, so the, the the items there was a um uh one of them was these these reins um, reins of the unstoppable stride, which was a item that allowed you to teleport a little bit while charging on a horse or a mount. Um, I really like them. They had this charge setup, which was a definite third edition Pathfinder thing. Um, we don't really use charges in fourth um, in fourth edition, but the same concept could still take place. So basically, you're charging someone on a nice big mount, and you use the magic item to teleport little bits of the way to slip past people to get through obstacles. And I, and they were well written up, nice little description there, and I quite like them. Interesting. Would this increase your move distance as as well? I I, I believe it did. Yes. Your move, um, you, 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 it was basically a dimension door. It, it, you're, you still had your move on top of it. Oh, yeah. excellent. Yeah, I'm reading it right now, actually. Cool. Yeah. Uh, what about you for Wondrous Item and Brack? I liked items that were unusual. 
Uh, at one point, uh, Always Silver Mike and I had a thread going of unusual magic items, not your typical, you know, plus one, plus two, you know, or giving you the abilities that are really awesome. Uh, I liked the uh, Maurice de Mer. He had the Sash of the Salty Seas. And it, it just, I mean, he could shoot a water spout at, uh, you know, somebody and the water instantly evaporated and you'd be encrusted in, in sea salt that you had to, you basically grappled, I think it was a DC 20 to, to, to get loose. Um, it could then, uh, another ability was, was walk on water. It would, you'd, you'd shoot it at the water and the, it would, the salt would, would come to the top and then you would have, uh, uh, you could walk on, on the, you could walk, you couldn't run, and it specified you couldn't run, cause, um, it just, it was a really interesting, you know, it wasn't just a typical magic item of giving you a plus to hit something or defend against something, and so I, I really like that, uh, item from the first round. I, I think it wins on name alone, that is a freaking really cool name. <laughs> Sash of the Salty Seas. Very cool. Um, well, I guess I'll go next. I cheated. It's my podcast. I do what I want. Um, I did some digging and found uh, Ronar Corruption's entry. Oh, um, he did have an entry. I was looking. I saw him reply to some people. Yes. It, um, it, so. it, t- it took a little bit, but I found it. And, um, of course, he didn't make it through, unfortunately. But it is a really cool, uh, uh, wondrous item. It's called the Emotive Capacitator. Capacitor. Capacitator. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where that came from. Anyway, Capacitor. And it does uh, one of two things. If it's affixed to a living creature, it gives uh, temporary HD plus one uh, named bonus to uh, attacks and saves and skills. And if it's attached to a corpse, it reanimates it, and it's as if it never died for one round per charge. It's, It's a really cool item, and... I'm not sure how I'm going to get this into the show note because it's a rather long write-up, but maybe I'll dig back in and find the the, the particular link to the post because I didn't copy-paste that into my little thing. But very cool item. I'm, I'm actually thinking about um, using it in a game I'm starting. Um, see if we'll just give it to some random people, see how it works out. <laughs> <laughs> it's very cool. But let's uh, move on to uh, the round two items. Which were class archetypes. You start this time in, uh, in Brodak. Well, <laughs> I went through it. One thing I liked is, and I'm sort of riding the Maurice de Mare's uh, horses, I liked bounty hunters. And there were a couple different uh, bounty hunter entries, but I liked, uh, he had the wandering judge. Uh, it was a ranger. Um it just, I, I, you know, I liked, he had sense mode of him as a class skill. And now I know you get a plus two bonus to sense mode of, uh, on your favorite enemy, but, uh, I just, I, I just liked the way it was built up, um, that class. There was another, it was a, I think it was a bit, I forget what the class was, but it, it was a rogue that did, um, uh, subdual damage, and subdual damage, I think, is an old 2e term, um, non-lethal damage. Um, I, I don't know if they they advanced. I didn't pay attention to that, but I think it was a little unbalanced. But uh, from what I recall, but it was those were interesting classes. Those were two of the the, the ones that stood out to me. Excellent. Um, I guess I'll go next. We'll switch things up again. I always have to go last. I'm a very vanilla type guy. I'm like base classes all the way from the player's handbook. So this was kind of hard to pick an archetype out. But I went with, uh, uh, it's called the Waterborn Voltari. It's a monk variant. And it, it, I liked the flavor of it. Um, if you were to use it in like a seafaring campaign, it was a, uh, a monk all about the water. He got, uh, movement boosts in, in water instead of slow fall. And uh, instead of quivering palm, it was a move that would uh, drown your opponent. You'd start taking <laughs> drown damage while you were in a uh, drowning damage while you were in a uh, grapple, um, which was cool. And, um, I thought it, it, fit, it would fit very well into like a seafaring campaign, and I'm a huge fan of monks, so 
that's the one I picked. Um, it was by, uh, going to butcher his name now, but, uh, Pedro Calho Clio. 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 Okay. Well, that was, that was, uh, that was his, uh, (laughs) (laughs) worst with names ever. Pedro Colio Mendez Bueno Barbosa. It's a lot of words. Does that sound right? Yeah, I, I'm, I, I saw that one too, and I practiced the name actually. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent, um, very cool write up on on uh, on for his second round entry. Um, why don't you go uh, now? I'll go with sure. you. Um, so uh, interestingly, I I also looked at the ones um, that I enjoyed the classes of a little bit preferential to the other classes. So I was impressed that there were so many um, alchemists. Uh, I think there was like five out of the winning eight or something that were alchemists or something like that. Yes, really I've seen that. Uh, so I, I really like the forecaster. Um, it's playing around with time and and predicting the future and stuff like that and has a great ability called Summon Paradox where you call your future self to help you out for a little while. Um, that is a very cool ability. Yeah, yeah. And it just, just apart from that, it just has bonuses to initiative and can act better in surprise rounds and things like that. So it's just um, a really nice concept, the telling the future sort of thing, but workable mechanics to go along with it, which I quite appreciated. Yes, very cool. Um, If you guys have a round three um, pick, we'll go ahead and talk about it, but I understand that we didn't didn't see this coming. (laughs) Didn't see it coming. I just went off the show notes, and it took me long enough to read through 64 different entries. Yeah. (laughs) That's fine. Um, There were a lot of good ones. Um, I I had a hard time picking. I'm not even going to. uh... They were all real great. Now, do you guys have a uh, favored participant for the contest that you think might go all the way, judging on what you've you've read? No. (laughs) No. I, I like Maurice Demare. I, I don't know. It's the sash of the salty seas was just, I thought it was just a, a silly, cool magic item, and I, I hope he goes. Very cool. I'd like to see uh, uh, Pedro go through too. Um, he actually had the. Uh, I liked his monster too. It was a, a, a leech root, kind of an undead, blood sucking thing. It's very cool. Um, I liked his his monk variant obviously, and he also had the uh, reins of the unstoppable stride as well. So ah, well there you go. He had a lot of strong, a lot of strong uh, entries. So I think he'll at least get into the next round. We'll see. Um, it's a five round contest. So ha- has each round um, voted on? I saw a few people saying they recommend it or don't recommend it, but how's how's each round's winners decided? Um, I think that it is, um, the judges up until a certain point. The first round, members of the Piazzo.com votes for their favorite open call. And a team of celebrity judges windows, windows down those calls with 42, 32 finalists. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's, it's done by the, by the judges. Yeah, that's yeah. what, that was the impression I got. Excellent. I'm glad you found that. Just <laughs> me some looking. All right. Well, we'll go ahead and uh, move on to our next little piece of news. Um, I found this piece of news interesting because I think we talked about it on the last, uh, or mentioned briefly this concept on the uh, last episode. But it was like three or four days after we uh, recorded the last episode, Wizards of the Coast announced that they had opened a new online PDF store for older editions of... uh, Dungeons and Dragons, the uh, the first editions, the second editions, some third edition stuff. Um, I was actually picking through it, and I saw some fourth edition stuff as well. So I think they're slowly adding select things into. It. Yeah, they have a little bit of foray stuff there. And your guys' opinion is this a step in the right direction? Yes. I, I, yeah. It's, yeah. I I don't. We talked about it earlier with the Gygax magazine. I like the PDF version. Um, I mean, I got an iPad. I'm sure Hugga may have a Galaxy tablet. Um, I do. Yeah, exactly. And just, I, I, I hate paying forty dollars for a book. You know, and a lot. You know, and I'm, I'm looking right now, and they have some of the fourth edition books. You know, they're you know eighteen dollars or 
less, almost half priced. Mm-hmm. So uh, they have some free stuff on there too. I just, I think I before I said it was a non-event. I changed my mind. If they're going to keep the pricing low, to you know, I, especially it's old stuff. It's not something. It's not new stuff. And mm-hmm. you know, playing D and D for so long, you, you know, I don't have every single source book. But if the prices are low, then maybe incentivized. For me to then, you know, expand and, and, and you know add to my collection. So I I, I reversed my decision of being a non-event for before. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Going off of what you said there, so you you guys feel that this is the uh, the, the we'll come back to you by the way. Audra. <laughs> I didn't skip you. I, I promise. That's do you cool. guys Do you guys feel that this is the the the, the right price points for these? Um, I noticed the the fourth edition books, like you said, were between uh, fifteen and twenty dollars. I think seventeen ninety nine and Nineteen ninety nine, I think, were some of the ones that I've seen. Is this the appropriate price point, in your opinion, or do you think maybe they can get a little more money out of it, or it doesn't need to be dropped? Um, I think fourth edition. I mean, those are still relatively current books, so eighteen dollars, you know, is is a decent price point. I'm looking at some of the third edition stuff. You know, twenty six dollars, thirty dollars books are selling for just you know just about ten bucks. So mm-hmm. seems fair. I'm thinking it's still a little bit high. Um, I think that most people who were around, especially fourth edition since it's more recent, have got the books that they want. Um, the books that they haven't got, they obviously weren't that interested in when they came out, and thus they don't want to pay even the, the $20 for a book that they didn't really want in hardcover. Um, I mean, especially when you, like the, the Marvel book that we got for the superhero role-playing game, um, picked up the PDF for $10. And that's a 360-page PDF. So that's the sort of price range that I'd be interested in going on to, to more PDFs, especially when one already owns the book. If you already, I'd own be the book, more willing to. Yeah. I'd be more willing to buy buy the books if they're at the $10 price point as well. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying, you know, compared to to the original retail price, it's better to step in the direction it's, that it's would cause me to want definitely, to definitely my- better. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, when they, when they first started talking about PDFs, they were talking about the novel series, and they made the, the statement that they were going to match the novel series physical price for PDF prices, and that was just totally wrong. All right. So this is this is definitely better than that. It's just selling the same thing to someone again for still a pretty steep price when they're not really needing to put much cost up front to create a PDF of something that they've already done and has already been out there for a while. It still seems a little bit steep. I think you're right in that regard. Um, I'm half dragon in, in, in the way that I like to, <laughs> to own own books so that maybe I can roll around in them when I get bored. <laughs> but I, and, I, I, I love the functionality of a PDF, and I would yeah. be willing to buy a physical book and a PDF if the PDF prices were a little lower than they yeah, are for yeah. the newer stuff. If you could like drop some, um, what the the barcode or something like that for the book, or something that showed that you bought the physical book and get the PDF for considerably cheaper, that would be also great. Ex- yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, do you have anything else to add to this, uh, this Embrodax? Uh, like I said, Piazza does it. At least with their novels, uh, I get them. Yeah. Excellent. They seem to be yeah. on the the the, uh, the forefront of what people want, maybe because they're a little smaller than wizards, that they can uh, kind of steer their boat a little quicker. I than... have a pile of unopened books. <laughs> I've got about five of them sitting here in my office. I can see from here. I even I even even opened the box because as soon as uh, uh, they mail it. Piazza sends me an email. Oh, this is in the mail. So I, I go right to my online store, download the EPUB, slap it in iTunes, and I have it on my uh, iPad and iPhone in, in, in seconds. So I, I especially, it. especially great if you're overseas and it takes two, three weeks for a book to get across here or longer. Oh, yeah. We're going to go ahead and take a moment to pause from our enthralling discussion to go ahead and listen to a segment provided by community member Sadolfus. It's called the Post of the Month Dramatic Reading. Hey there everyone, Sadolfus here for the RPG Crossing Radio Podcast with the dramatic reading of the Post of the Month. In this segment we'll look at Tripod's entry for the October Post of the Month 
in his Shadowrun game, Run This Town. As the DM of this game, he's setting the scene for an attempted assassination, presumably being undertaken by a group of thugs who are not the brightest in the bunch. With the gang all accounted for, they each started to chat and catch up with one another. Even if they were frustrated at being awoken for little to no reason, it was still nice to see someone who wouldn't immediately either ignore or try to kill them. The group of runners moved towards the back wall of the shack, passing a pair of punks making out while the girl attempted to pocket some cat food while her boyfriend's tongue tried to jam down her throat. Any attempt to stop them or keep going is inter- BOOM! Then silence. The buzzing in your ears indicates you actually haven't gone deaf. Through the haze of the headache and the smoke created by the explosion, a pair of thugs in black leather stepped into the wreckage. Their profiles hidden, the only thing you immediately notice is they are both human, one with a green mohawk and the other bald with an intricate tattoo on his head. They were both dog ugly, which is an insult to the dogs in this case. But the bald one was simply ugly as sin. They stepped over the wall that used to be the entrance to the stuffer shack and right between what was left of aisles 1 and 2. The green-hawked fellow had an AK-97 waving around like he didn't know what he was doing while the bald goon held an heiress predator 5 like it was his girlfriend. Drek it all, Stubby, the mohawk one said, glaring at the bald guy. If your bro had a spine, we'd be done with this, but he waited too long. Stubby growled and kicked the other guy in the butt and waved him inside with his pistol. Stuff it, crank. Don't matter now. We just gotta do what we do and get out of here. The one called Stubby then raised his voice to the whole building. Aight, we know there's a little brat with and his drekkin' mommy in here. Give him up and we ain't gonna kill nobody. Maybe. He reached down into the destroyed aisle and found a can of motor oil. Ooh, look at what we have here. We could use some of this crap back at the garage. We're, we're running a little long, so we'll go ahead and get started on our uh, our uh, big topic in our segment. We like to call Big Topic. Green Ronin, the publishers of Mutants and Masterminds, DC Adventures, and a few other role-playing games, posted on their website uh, what they call a, a Ronin roundtable discussion which was uh, all about how to integrate new gamers into uh, your game. And I thought it was a very interesting discussion. I thought we'd talk about it briefly here, but we'll go ahead and uh, dive in. Um, like I said, uh, new gamers and how you would introduce them to, to, to the game that you love, whatever game it is. Um, this is very universal uh, advice, but the uh, yeah. tip number one was explain the nouns. Basically, what they meant was um, me, you, and, and Brodak. Everybody knows what hit points mean, what armor class means, what initiative means. These are words that we're very familiar with because we've been playing for quite some time. But a new gamer wouldn't necessarily know those things, and um, they stress the importance of explaining to them what it was, what it means, without going into the, well, you know, hit points or this and the the, 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 the symbolism behind the hit points, just the, the cut and dry, this is how it functions within the game type explanation. Um, do you guys think that that's good advice or uh, what's your opinions on this uh, tip number one? Do you have anything to Explanations add? are always good, yeah. Yeah, knowing what everyone's talking about is important. Um, if you jump in and they're totally lost, they're not going to have much fun. So, yeah, definitely. Right. Definitely. Right. Excellent. Um, uh, <laughs> you guys are very talkative today. Um, <laughs> I, I have an talkative earlier. I have an anecdotal story. <laughs> this was like 10 years ago. I, um, I used to play Magic the Gathering. It's a card game, giant card game, very cool game. Um, I uh, decided, you know what, I'm going to teach my father-in-law. He's uh, 50 now, I think. He was like 40 at the time. Well, maybe he's not 50. I don't know how old he is. A lot older than I am. <laughs> I'm going to teach him how to play this game because it's, it's a cool game. I think he'll like it. Boy, was I wrong. <laughs> Trying to explain to him how how the mechanics, how the like this means this and this means this. It was very interesting. And, and maybe if I was a little more focused on 
teaching him what stuff means at that point in time, he would have uh, actually understood what what I was what, what I was talking about. <laughs> we had like one session, and he's like, you know what? I don't understand any of this. Uh, <laughs> We'll, we'll, we'll just uh, we'll just act like this never happened. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, uh, explain things in simple to the point terms is a very important part of integrating new players and choosing and, what to explain as well. Like you can explain again the hit points or AC and stuff like that, but you don't need to go into every single detail of the game and explain everything. Otherwise, they'll feel overwhelmed. Exactly. That was my problem. I think with uh, with my father-in-law was like, oh, we gotta go. Like we were going big picture when we should have been like focused on the the exact minor thing. Yeah. But uh, number two has a uh, uh, tip. Number two is really similar to what we've been talking about as far as provide summaries for the most common game mechanics. Just quick, simple yep. sentences. Um, like explain initiative and which dice you use to roll initiative and stuff like that um do you guys have anything to add to this tip no it's it's nice and simple <laughs> how about one you? sentence tip so yeah there's, i don't there's... know how much you expand let me to expand on it <laughs> exactly exactly um this one's a big tip this one's a this one's more of a concept than anything it's uh, uh tip three is encourage idea stealing meaning that um we're creative sorts, but as a new player, um, it's kind of in, uh, intimidating just to step in, into as a new gamer. And uh, so it's better for us as DMs or game managers to uh, encourage them to maybe build concepts, character concepts around existing characters that they like or taking pieces of characters that they like and... and uh, Cramming it into a character of their own. How do you guys feel about this? I think that's a great idea. The you know, I don't know how many times as a kid we'd have a new game setting, and you know, I'd have a friend who read you know one of the Forgotten Realms books, and I don't know how many drits I had to play, but at least <laughs> they're playing. So yeah, yeah, and it means that they can play directly something they enjoy. Like as soon as you put that out there, say choose something you like and steal from it. It ensures that they are liking what they're doing. Exactly. I honestly, I still do this. I, <laughs> I've been, I've been role playing for quite uh, for for a few years, not as long as you guys have, but I, st I still do this. I'm like, that's a cool character concept. I'm going to see how I can bring this this uh, modern day character concept into a high fantasy setting. Yeah. It's uh, done that several times, and it's, it's worked out really well. And I've always enjoyed these characters. So I, I think this is spot on. It's really great advice. Um, tip number four, bring the ringers. Now, it, this is uh, bring players into your game that know how to play. But it also mentions the importance of not only bringing characters into your, into your game with your, new with your new players, bringing players into your game with new players, but it stresses the importance of making sure the the veteran players are willing to help new players. How? Yeah. Um, what's your guys' thoughts on this? Yeah, yeah, it's important. Um, I can recall the last few new players we've had in a game of uh, around the table real life game that we've always has had someone sit next to them to be able to offer advice or mm -hmm. answer questions that they had. Instead of having to stop everything, they can just sort of have a chat sidewards with them. Yeah, I, th I think the the big thing is to make sure the experienced ringers are prepared, you know, that they yes. aren't going in thinking, oh, you know, that they know there's going to be new players. If you don't want to play, then sit this one out, you know. We want to try to – hopefully we can go through the, you know, the early rounds of them not knowing what the heck they're doing and then they can be a valuable person to play with in the future and – you know, and they won't be the noob that you're you're against. Everybody's a noob at some point, so. Exactly, I think it's very important to avoid the the that guy player. You know, the guy that you know, he wants to be the best. He wants to make yeah. sure everybody knows he's the best, and he isn't going to think twice about making somebody feel inadequate. Um, just to make themselves feel better. That type of player, you, you and, and you don't go ahead. Yeah, you don't. Want, yeah, you don't want the the. <laughs> apparent ringer 
to be playing the character for them either. You want them to be helping, but not dictating. Excellent. That's a very good point. Um, so I think this is um, something that, that requires a little finesse and knowing yeah. your existing players uh, well enough to pick which ones are going to be helpful and which ones are going to be a hindrance. Um, do you have anything else you want to add in, Bronek? Nope. Excellent. We'll move on. Um, this uh, tip is called the, the sampler platter approach. Um, it's basically um, says give them a taste of all the elements of the game, the different the, so that they find out which type of uh, play style or setting, well, style of game that they like to play, like the 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 uh, the heavy role playing or the the intrigue political intrigue style game. Give them a taste of everything so that they know when they come back what they like. What do you guys have to say? Hmm. I think out of all of them, it's probably the hardest one to do, especially. For us, we only get to play real life once a month. So having every sample on offer that once a month is going to be very hard to prepare for. Um. I, I, yeah, it's, it's kind of hard. I mean, unless, I, I mean, part of it, you need to get a, a, a simple version of the game. You need to have yeah. just the, yeah. so they can learn more of the mechanics. Mm-hmm. You know, get the mechanics down. I, I think it would be more of an of a R-O-L-L playing session than an R-O-L-E playing session. Uh, I mean, you can, you know, entertain that. And, but I think it's it's probably working on the mechanics. So, I, I mean, I might have a more of a, depending on what the players are doing, more of a, a wizard-centric or more of a rogue or fighter-centric, depending on... on what they have, so maybe as a DM, if you're introducing a person for the new time, have a couple different, uh, you know, opening campaigns you can start with. But I don't necessarily know about different types, you know, of like a political intrigue or whatnot. I, I think you just need to keep it simple. Yeah, I, I definitely think this is the one of the well, the hardest tip to kind of follow, and I'm not I'm not sure it'd be right for everyone to try to try to push this into their to their their newbie game. Um, it seems like it would be difficult, but um, that's the great thing about play by post is that um, a new player can come in and uh, join a few different games all at once because they're not hard. To, yeah. it's not hard to yeah. play like three or four games at a time, depending on your 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 allotted time, and then see which one of those he likes better. So I think that that our website rpgcrossing.com has an advantage in that regard over a uh, physical game. There's yeah, I, I, I have 12 games running. I, I, I don't even have a, a, a live table game going anymore. I just don't have the time at night to, you know, or, or the weekends to do that. Uh, I'm 38 years old. My daughter plays soccer. My son has wrestling. So, you know, it's kind of hard for me to get my gamers together. So in, in, in a Play-by-post settings a lot easier to, to to do that to introduce that. I'm impressed you played 12 games on 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 the site. That's that's a lot. <laughs> well, they don't post every day. Yeah, I know the the one we're in together just started back up, which I'm stoked about. But we'll move on to tip number six, and this is by far, in my opinion, the easiest one to pull off because it's almost natural. I would hope for the most people, which is sharing your love and enjoying the games so uh just you know i there's really not this it's a paragraph but there's really not much to summarize it says it right there you know share your love for the game you know if you're enjoying it they're enjoying it kind of thing uh thoughts uh seems pretty (laughs) self-explanatory no brainer i mean people aren't going to get excited if you're not excited so exactly um, like I said, we're going to provide a, a link to this when uh, in the show notes so you guys can go ahead and check it out a little, little more in depth if you want. But uh, that is the end of our show. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I would like to thank Ambrodak and Hugga for go ahead and uh, co-hosting for us today. And if you guys, the listeners, would like to contact us to ask us a question or whatnot, if you're a member of the community, 
you can go ahead and shoot me a PM. I'm uh, Roby on the forums, R-O-B-I. Or you can uh, follow me on Twitter and uh, go ahead and tweet at me a question that you'd like answered. Um, my Twitter handle is at R-O-B-I 1475. Thank you for listening and until next time.